Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright Podcast for Wednesday, September 2nd. My name is Ian Saunders, and joining us this week is Will Gibson. And Will, we're, we're coming in. This is the first podcast for the month of September. Um, wrapped up the month of August there earlier this week, and what was a really historic month of August with um, some of the strongest returns we've seen, at least in the past 15 to 20 years or so, um, for that particular month. And now coming into the month of September with what has historically been one of the, the weaker months of the year, actually the weakest month of the year, at least for domestic equity investors looking back throughout history. Uh, but nonetheless, this week we've continued to see broad domestic equity indices uh, make new all-time highs uh, with the Dow, the NASDAQ Composite, and the S&P 500 all posting gains, at least at the time of this recording this afternoon. Um, so we'll certainly see whether the uh, that, that market adage of the um, September declines uh, ends up carrying through, but it certainly doesn't seem that way as we're starting off the uh, starting off the month on a strong foot. Um, but one area that's not starting off the month on a strong foot has been the U.S. dollar. Um, that's been an area that we've been continuing to follow um, through. For those of you following along on the platform, um, through the ticker DX forward slash Y is going to be our uh, the U.S. dollar index spot that, that we have on on the platform there, um, and this index has, um, after making a, a multi-year high earlier this year, back, back in March actually, uh, up at a chart level of 102.5, um, has saw some sideways movement as market volatility ensued through April and May, and then began to, to fall out of bed pretty significantly there, um, moving to a sell signal in May at 98.50, um, also moving to a negative trend in that month as well, and then continuing lower over the past couple months all the way down to its current chart position at 92, um, which marks a new multi-year low for this particular index. And by multi-year, these are going to be the lowest levels we've seen um, since May of 2018. Um, so definitely some, some continued weakness that we've seen here for the U.S. dollar, which has some, some major tailwind effects for a lot of other areas going on in the marketplace, um, many of which that we'll cover today. Um, one area that we do notice that it doesn't have as large of an effect on the broad domestic equity space, um, but definitely has some has shown some some positive uh, correlations, uh, I guess, for um, a, a other areas outside of the U.S. I mean, we'll take a look at a few of those being um, broader international equities as well as commodities as well as some other areas. Um, but definitely seeing seeing the, the further deterioration here on the point figure chart itself, looking at two consecutive sell signals in a negative trend, and now uh, marking those new multi-year lows there, Will. So um, this would also classify us as, as uh, being in what we would, at least from our historical studies, uh, to be the falling dollar environment. Is that right, Will? Yeah, that's right, Ian. And you mentioned a few things about the domestic equity markets in the beginning there, and I was checking historical prices. And um, we're currently on track for the sixth straight week of gains, and that would make it nine out of the past 10 weeks if we finish this week in gains. Wow with the loan down week being down 0.28%. Um, so I was just looking at that as you were talking when you were mentioning the August statistics. I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive. And um, nonetheless, still tacking on returns. And right, you're correct. Now, the flip side is we are in that falling dollar environment. And just to be clear, we're taking that as a 10% move off of a recent top for the dollar, as we've mentioned here, and then a rising dollar environment would thus be a period that leads to a 10% gain off of a bottom for the dollar, as we are discussing now. And 
broadly speaking, Ian hit on a few important points. Going a bit further, a bit more specific, um, in falling dollar environments, a few areas that we seem to benefit or some areas that um, enjoy some nice tailwinds when that is the case is going to explicitly be emerging markets in that international space. And if you're following us on YouTube, we're going to have a chart up on the screen for you to show um, the severity or the disparity in those types of returns that we see when we're in a rising or falling dollar environment. So again, historically, a large tailwind for emerging markets. And in addition to that, it's generally a tailwind for commodities as a whole. In aggregate, we've seen commodities do well in falling dollar environments. And more specifically, um, copper in particular, we have seen historically done extremely well in falling dollar environments. So uh, two things to mention there. I'll also mention this morning that Ian, we, we were talking in our research meeting, and we did have an interesting trade on the fixed income side as well, kind of supporting what we were just mentioning now. Uh, one of our fixed income models actually traded into the Barclays International Corporate Bond ETF. So again, Maybe synonymous at this point. Um, we're not going to imply any type of causation or correlation, but right now, but again, timely trade figure that we should mention it here again, talking about falling dollar tailwind for international markets, specifically emerging um, then commodities as a whole, which we'll touch on a bit more specific down the road. Yeah, absolutely. There will. And you mentioned that. I mean, it is it's certainly significant that we're seeing that on, on the fixed income side of things. Um, that seeing corporate bonds of the international corporate bonds moving in in place of that aggregate bond fund in that State Street fixed income model. Um, for those of you that do have access to the platform and do follow that model, there um, definitely interesting to see that that, that that correlation, right? Like just like you said, that um, the strength of the international space kind of coming, uh, making a resurgence amid this falling dollar environment. And another place that we've seen that resurgence has been through the, the broader um, emerging markets, specifically, like you said, that we see emerging markets typically tend to do a little bit better than their developed counterparts in that falling dollar environment. And that's been reflected on the uh, from a from a trend chart perspective as we're looking at EEM. For those of you following along on YouTube, um, EEM has, has, has risen off a near term low back in March at 3050 to ultimately uh, give four consecutive buy signals and continue to climb after that latest buy signal in July um, to currently sit at a chart level of 45.50. So significant 15-point rise on this default point and figure chart. And when we look at it from a performance perspective compared to some of the other uh, broader international benchmarks that we have, specifically looking at the developed market benchmark EFA, and the MSCI ACWI XUS, so the broader international equity benchmark ACWX, um, where we see that, that EEM is, is the only of those three funds uh, to demonstrate positive returns over a trailing seven-day perspective. Um, albeit they're muted positive returns, looking at a 0.18% gain over the past seven days. Um, and EFA and ACWX aren't too far away, but still in the red at a loss of 0.4% uh, for EFA and relatively flat, slight loss for ACWX at 0.02%. Um, but this, this near-term continued improvement for the emerging market space um, has led that benchmark to be the only of the three in positive territory for the year through trading on Tuesday. Um, at almost a 1% gain on the year, whereas EFA is, is down a little over 6%, and 
NHWX is down just under under four percent there, um, still on the year. So continue to see steady improvement throughout each of those three areas with the falling dollar environment that we've had over the past few weeks here. Um, but definitely that, that outperformance from the emerging market side of things um, is certainly displayed from a performance standpoint and also displayed through some of the other rankings we have on the system, such as the asset class group scores page. Um, this page, for those of you who might not be as familiar, is a ranking system that we use on the, on the Dorsey Road Research Platform um, that ranks 135 different investable areas of the market um, through the average fund scores of ETS and mutual funds that we include in each group. Um, so those 135 different areas are meant to represent everything from your individual domestic equity sectors, broad indexes, size and style comparisons, different country or regional breakdowns for the international side of things, your fixed income classification. So pretty much everything you could potentially invest in. And one of those views that we have on that system is what we call the macro view, or really the kind of those bigger picture groups that you, we, we, is going to be the default page when you come to that group scores page, just meant, meant to show you a kind of a snapshot of what's going on from the broader perspective. Um, and one of the groups that we see on that page is emerging markets diversified, which is kind of that emerging markets representative we use mainly on this ranking system. Um, and, and we can see that, that that group has risen significantly in score recently to have a current average score of 4.02. So that, that scoring system goes from zero to six, zero being the worst, six being the best. And those groups with a score above 4.0 are typically looked at as those kind of ideal investment areas. Um, scores above three would be, uh, would be favorable. Um, and then down below three would be those unfavored areas. Um, so we've, we've definitely seen that strength displayed um, from emerging markets on this group scores page as well. Emerging markets diversified with that 4.02 average score, um, besting the global developed market space at 3.31, as well as that global and international diversified group at 3.50. So those areas would still be above that 3.0 score line in, in the kind of favorable range, but not nearly as high as that emerging markets diversified group. Um, which is actually has the highest score direction or the highest move from a low over the past six month time frame in that score um, of any group on this macro ranking at an average score direction there of 2.81. Um, so definitely seeing that that um, outperformance from emerging markets displayed across some of the other relative rankings we have as well um, with that 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 near term score strength. Um, but that place is not the only area that we've seen some near term strength with regards to the falling dollar environment there. Well, the commodities have also sent a little bit of a little bit of a popular recently too, right? Yeah, definitely. And really just hammering home, I think those two groups as we're talking today in particular is Ian hit on the emerging markets view on this asset class group scores page. Commodities, again, as we talked about earlier, is going to be that other group. You're seeing some further technical follow through on the asset class group scores page being that that commodities group recently crossed above the 3.0 score line. And as Ian mentioned, that's the generally sought after line of demarcation for the acceptable group fund score. And that commodities group just breached that 3.0 score line. And historically, it's it's been a bit of a bit of a barrier, uh, for lack of better words. It's, it's tested it on two previous occasions. And now is coming up a third time to see if it can successfully break through and push higher. So that'll be an interesting story to continue to unfold. I'll also mention as maybe a bit of a backdrop for those that are following the commodities market or have heard a bit about the market lately, it really started with your precious metals. 
gold and silver leading the pack early. We saw them explode to the upside. They were extremely overbought, well above their 10-week trading bands, have lately consolidated near the top of those trading bands, still technically strong, but again, just consolidated a bit more, moved sideways, and we've seen a lot broader participation from the rest of the commodity space. Again, copper in particular, which we'll touch on more specifically in just a moment. Um, but again, a lot of other broad participation in the commodities group, pushing this average group score higher. So for the group as a whole, some of those more diversified commodities funds have been able to participate um, greater. And as a result, we've seen this group push higher. And again, a further tailwind, technical tailwind, as we're seeing. And kind of rounding it about the discussion with, with copper itself, as we've touched on a few times, um, fair amount of strength here recently broke a spread quadruple top and has since continued higher, currently trading on two consecutive buy signals. Um, it's, it's near the top of its trading band, but it really hasn't hit that level where we would consider heavily overextended at the moment. It's back in a positive trend. And again, there's a fair amount of technical as, as well as fundamental tailwinds um, pushing copper higher here, as well as the commodity space as a whole. And for those that do subscribe to our research, uh, we are going to feature this a bit more in our Friday report. So maybe that's something to look forward to there as well. Yeah, absolutely, there will. And then since you mentioned it for, for those that do subscribe, we will be covering um, many of these aspects that we're touching on here today um, about the, the kind of the, the effects of different rising versus falling dollar environments um, in the research pieces today. And then, as Will said, taking a specific focus on copper um, in, in, in that piece on Friday. So definitely will be places to keep an eye out for if you do subscribe um, and, and do follow that daily equity and market analysis report that we publish there each and every day. Um, so uh, with that, Will, I think we, uh, we hit on most of what we were looking to, to cover here this afternoon. Um, I want to uh, want to thank you very much for, for joining us here, Will, as, as, as always. Um, and for those of you for those of you listening in, thank you very much for joining us here this week. And we look forward to having you back next week.